From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroom, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast of Rocky LaFleur. It's a long time being on this bike, but joining me today, Ramsey Russell, Mr. Cam, Ira McCauley. Had to throw that in there, Ira. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate I, that. I have to say this before before we get started. I have enjoyed those videos on Instagram. Yeah, it's cool perspective. Mm-hmm. That that is brought, uh, you know the 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 kind of the kill shot. I guess has kind of been around that 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 shot. People have been posting them to social media as it pertains to hogs. That's been around for a while, but kind of the shot cam, like what you're posting the Instagram to me, I, it is so cool. I'll tell you what's cool to me is seeing the leads sometimes that it takes to kill these geese and ducks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the other thing, you know, and it's, and it's interesting, too, because uh, sometimes I'll miss them and I gave them too much lead, you know, like I'll, I'll miss and then I'll shoot again and kill kill it or kill one right next to it or whatever, and I was leading the bird too much. And then other times, you know, you're you're behind them, even though you're way out in front of them, you know. Let me ask both of you this. Speaking with uh, – pertaining to the shot cam, you know, when when you're out shooting now, let's just – I mean, wing shooting, is, is it all still is, – is it a feeling to you, or is it an aiming process for you? For me, it's totally a feeling. If I'm aiming, I'm I'm yeah. shutting an eye and flipping the head. You know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna miss. No, if I think about it, I, I'm I'm gonna miss. It's purely instinctive. But but I do find myself on those longer shots. Um, normally, I'm I'm gonna start in front of the bird and swing. And and it, and, it, and again, it's just, I, I think it comes from experience of just kind of sort of how it feels on how far you are in front of that bird for you, you know, where you poke it in front of them before I go. That's, that's the only way I can shoot a far bird is to start in front of them. And, um, but, but it, it's purely instinctive. I think everybody's instinctive shooters. Yeah. You know, they being know a guide, I, I agree with you being a guide and having so many different, uh, levels of shooters coming through and hunting and taking, and you've probably, you've seen this a million times, Ramsey, but you'll have a, You'll have somebody that that tries too hard, tries to to aim at a at a bird, 
and they they're gonna miss. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like you're saying. It's instinctive. It's a feeling, and <laughs> once you start getting into the that aiming, a lot of times you end up missing. But you Ramsey, know the guy, the guy I see like that. The guy I see like that is a guy that the ducks are the ducks are. Uh, moments are out there too far to come in, but they, they start mounting their gun and getting their cheek down. And I'm like, there's no way you can do that. I can't do that. No. Right. I, I can't. I, I, I might snug my, my stock up to my shoulder, but if I, if I, if I do go any further than that, I'm going to miss that bird. You can't just start swinging dead weight. Yeah. Even no shooting way. sporting clays, which I do quite a bit with my older son. Um, I shoot better without my gun mounted. So just call for the bird. Yeah. bring the gun up as I'm moving my body and pull the trigger, then, you know, all those kids are starting with their gun mounted, calling for the bird, and uh, that's the way they shoot. Man, if I do that, I just end up riding it too much, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't yep. shoot as well. Uh-uh. The other thing I've seen, and you guys both been guys and been around and all that stuff, but, but I see it on the dog side and the hunter side is, uh, you know, guys that are in the game so i'm talking about trap shooters or skeet shooters that are they're methodical game players right so they do say okay this bird picked a one-foot lead or a two-foot lead or a three-foot lead or whatever they're not instinctive shooters sometimes not not painting with too broad a brush but um like a hunter is you know what i mean so i see some of those guys that'll break 99 to 100 trap targets every time come out and they can't hit a duck to save their life. Right. Um, yeah. Just like some of these dogs that are, you know, and hey, I'm not knocking the dogs that, I mean, highly talented in their own games for sure, but, you know, our, our old meat dogs that go to the same hole and, and uh, chase the same ducks every day and they know what those ducks are going to do, uh, you know, it's a lot different deal than, than a dog that spends 95% of its time, you know, playing its game, which is either the hunt test or, or the field trial or whatever, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of similarities there where hunters and hunting dogs are different than shooters and trial and test dogs. Well, stepping away from shooting, we I, I guess we need to do a little house cleaning real quick, but... Let's start with Ramsey. I want to say this because it's been since December since we've done a podcast episode. But, you know, something that Ramsey and I communicated a lot about um, through my absence in this long period of time was, was, Ramsey, you got a new podcast off the ground. Yeah, boy, I mean, uh, Rocky, you wound me up like the Energizer Bunny and hopping down the trail I went, you know, and uh, we talked several times uh, when I was right in the middle of recording a lot of those podcasts, and and, uh, and I know you're stepping off in a little bit slightly different uh, format, which I think will be a, a absolute hit I plan on turning into, but we, we just took off. We uh, we worked with Ben Page, who you know, uh, Foul Front Podcast, he's producing it for us and putting it together and giving us a lot of good, intelligent counsel and I'm just recording conversations with uh, with friends and with uh, colleagues, hunters, and conservationists and different folks I run around. And uh, we we launched a couple of weeks ago, and that's it. Duck season somewhere, and uh, is what we went with. And uh, 
it's been a lot of fun. It it just you know I really do enjoy uh, participating on this podcast and others, and I, I just enjoy that conservation. And buddy, let me tell you what: the last two or three weeks, with all that's going on in the world, the world being completely upside down, it's 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 been a godsend. It, it's just to have something uh, something to do. You know, uh, so I'm I'm enjoying it. Y'all y'all tune in and take a listen. Duck season somewhere. You should have been able to knock a few episodes out for sure. Woo. Well, you know, look, man, uh, you done sent me down the trail, and I'd gone and beat the bushes, and and I, I, <laughs> I figured out if I ran one a week, I had three months, three and a half months of podcast recorded, a little little episodes and conversation. Heck, I was gonna come up in a in a in a few weeks. Uh, one we had sitting there at his camp in in missouri and uh you know but but yeah it, it's and, and you know uh it's all over the board it, it's got something to do with duck hunt but it's all over the board i've i've i've, I've uh man once i kind of kind of started focusing and paying attention and looking for those opportunities uh it's it's just crazy uh some of the conversations i've had since then and and, and what's so kind of weird like a time warp right now as I had those in place, all right, we're going to run them once a week, and I'm going to get on with my life. Because understand, I got in town on February 22nd, supposed to leave on April 22nd, longest stretch of time I've been home in four or five years. So I needed something to kind of carry through when I was in those places. We didn't have uh, connectivity. And, well, no, that got scratched with uh, this COVID stuff. And so now I'm kind of running two or three a week. And, and so it's different. It's different. Uh, you know, it was then, back when the world was normal, and it's now. And you can't not have a conversation with somebody today, anybody, without COVID or Corona or something coming up, or or, or Tiger King. You know, one, one of them three subjects <laughs> is going to come up in a conversation right now. And that may be one of the most bizarre uh, things I'll remember about this period in time with COVID-19 is Tiger King. It just It just put it perfectly into context. You know, that, that was the craziest thing I have ever seen in my entire life was, was Tiger King. If you ever wondered, if you ever wondered what those carnies at the fair do when they're not at a, at, at a carnival, they're, they're somewhere on a big cat farm. I, I can tell you right now, that's where they are. Or in southeast Kansas. <laughs> I watched that first episode of that, and I was like, this is Carter's Big Island all over again. <laughs> I, I couldn't, you know, it, it was so bizarre. I could not watch it. I ended up binge watching the whole thing. Until I fell asleep. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, this is a train wreck. I can't quit watching. You know, it's it like, it like being picked up and put into an alternate universe of, of, of complete something different about reality of life that I've ever seen. I'm like, holy cow. I'm glad I came to duck camp. We don't have uh, any TV up here, so that's good. Whew! Golly, was that was that crazy? And there were there was there was parts of it that weren't funny that that I I, I would I would laugh till I cried. Like when that he, he's sitting there, the man is literally campaigning to run in the 2016 presidential election, and a tiger grabs him, starts dragging him off. I was recording. You can't not laugh. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it's been, uh, yeah, I appreciate the shout out, Rocky Duck season somewhere, and uh, we're enjoying it right now. And there, there's some real, uh, the next episode, you know, is going to continue on in Utah, 
And it's really, it's really an episode I've been looking forward to airing. I, le- I left, I listened to the interview the other day, and it, and it's a, it's, it really, uh, for those that are interested in the market gunning and that era of time in America, this is really gonna, gonna drive home. I, it was just a, uh, golly, man, that part of the world back, back now is, 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 is unbelievable. But then, you know, to hear, about flocks of ducks getting up off the water be described in a time that people knew what lots of, lots of ducks were. They were still market gunning around the country. There, there were still passenger pigeons numbering in the millions. And for people to describe a flock of ducks getting up sounding like five freight trains converting at one time, you know, just really kind of puts that in perspective. And I, and I met a guy, he's a historian. Uh, very, very knowledgeable, done a lot of research in that area, and he, he starts describing some of those events and some of those times, and he's written books and, and done stuff, and it's real, real interesting. And and then, um, you know, on a timeline of sanity, you know, we were at convention back in February, and, um, you know, it, golly, from, from, to think back then is like to think back 15 years from now. Uh, just to go back to the first week of February with the, with the market doing what it was doing and consumer confidence and people feeling good. It was just different then than it is now. Um, and it was just insane. It was like Mardi Gras. It was so much excitement and so much energy going on at convention. And one day, uh, you know, Martha and I would get to the booth at seven, seven thirty in the morning. I'd record an episode with somebody. And then uh, until people started walking into the shows, and it, then it was just, it, it, it's like you look at your watch, it's 9 o'clock, your first customer comes in the booth, and 15 minutes later you look at your, you look at your watch, and it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They come on the loudspeaker at 5, 5.30 and say the show is ending, and at 6.30, 7 o'clock you're leaving because you're just swamped. And a guy comes in my booth. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I, I need an I need uh, African black duck and a yellow bill. Now, well, you come to the right place, man. We, we're right, man. We got Africa. We got those species. And he goes, no, no, no. I need tissue samples. And I'm going to tell you all right now, uh, an hour later when that guy started talking, my head just exploded with with some of the genetic research in world and U.S. mallard like ducks that he's been doing and what his data suggests could be going on with mallard migrations and mallard populations in the eastern half of the U.S. versus the western, it it, it just, it, I'm, I'm telling you, my head literally exploded. And, of course, we recorded a podcast the next day, and he's coming on in a few weeks. So, it, it you know, it might be something people are interested in listening to. I don't know. My mom says it's pretty good. She listens sometimes. <laughs> now, now to be following Ira, let, let's that worked puppies, snow geese, Mexico. That that you know, talk a little bit about the because you've been chasing snow geese hard. But where this gets interesting is you almost got stuck in Mexico because of the whole coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it, it's just amazing how quickly everything escalated with uh, with the coronavirus, you know. And, and I'm not the most politically correct guy all the time, so, 
you know, I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to the motherland of Corona. I'm going to take it, you know, I'm going to go feed it on its own turf and all that. And, oh, oh, you know, making Ira, these tongue-in-cheek comments. Yeah, set, set the stage, Ira. So when you left to go to Mexico, what, what was the news kind of surrounding coronavirus? Until, and then proceed to when you left, come back home. Well, I mean, nobody had talked about doing any, uh, you know, just just even the phrase social distancing or any of that was just, you just started to hear a little bit of that. But nobody, at least nobody I knew of or talked to, really thought that it was, couldn't have both eyes open to, hey, this is going to be us here in a couple of days. And so, uh, you know, my only thought and my only concern on the front side was, man, you know, I mean, what if we get in the plane with someone that has it? Uh, you know, that could be bad because at the time, Mexico wasn't reporting any cases, and the U.S. really wasn't reporting any cases. I mean, there were, you know, maybe a positive in New York and whatever. And, buddy, in the five days that we were there, we went from that to a travel ban between the U.S. and Mexico and all of a sudden, uh, posting pictures of you being on spring break is definitely uncool. And any sort of, of tongue-in-cheek comment, uh, you may end up hanging from the highest tree if you make another one of those. So, yeah, man, it's just, I mean, as we all experience, um, it's just crazy how fast things change. And, you know, we got down there, it was business as usual. There were vacationers everywhere. The airport was crazy busy. The the uh, resort was crazy busy, and two days later, there were maybe 20% of the people left. Wow. Yeah, buddy. And then I'm like, uh, okay, either we're just going to get a VRBO for 15 pesos a day in the middle of nowhere or uh, and stay here, or we're getting on that plane and getting home and dealing with whatever happened. And, I, you know, I got home. I Even before I got home, my employees were like, hey, uh, we don't want you coming back to work two weeks because you went to Mexico. And I'm like, man, wow, isn't that crazy? You know, if I would have even remotely thought that was a possibility on the front side, there is no way I would have gone. Five days later, they're telling me, hey, you can't come to the office for two weeks. And I'm going... Yeah, that's probably a pretty good idea, not because I felt like it was likely that I had coronavirus, but I dang sure wanted the 20 of them to be there versus the one of me to be there. So, uh, yeah, been hanging out with snow geese and the kids. You know, Ramsey, you make a great point. It's like like the 1st of March was 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I I was thinking about this. As a matter of fact, I talked to my brother a couple of days ago, and uh, he shrugged it off. He don't care. But I, 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 I told him this story. My daddy, back in the late 70s, early 80s, had a Ford Pinto. You remember them little old pieces of crap cars? He had a Ford Pinto. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is a whole different time and place. I mean, it was just a whole different era. Because... A lot of times he'd send me and my brother down to the down to the quick stop to get him a pack of cigarettes. And, you know, I wasn't old enough to drive. I didn't have a driver's license, but we could run down there and buy a pack of cigarettes for him. And, and we just, like kids are apt to do, we just 
Jill flirted around. I never will forget. I remember one time, anyway, we were hauling butt through a neighborhood, and my brother, who's left-handed, sitting in the passenger seat, he reached down the middle between them two seats and grabs the parking brake and, and leans it back. And, buddy, we was flying down the road in that little pinto uh, like kids, like fools, and he grabbed that parking brake, boom, and damn near threw himself through the window. I had a steering wheel to hang on to, but we come to a screeching halt. Wham! From what we experienced this whole year, to now, crickets. It's just like, wham, somebody pulled that parking brake in the travel industry. And now, we, uh, you know, on February 21st, I was eating dinner in Baku, Azerbaijan. To this day, it's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. I absolutely love uh, parts of that city. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. And uh, well, we had a great duck hunt. You had to play for keeps. It was a good season. But uh, I was sitting there with clients, and, you know, we'd heard about corona, or first one thing or another, bits and pieces of it since January, right, since it broke out in China. But sitting there at dinner, I remember the date because I was coming home that night, and my outfitter said, holy cow, Iran just sealed its border. We're right there against Iran. It just sealed its border. No coming and going because of this COVID-19 outbreak. You know, coming back on the plane, being in that big international airport there in uh, Istanbul and stuff like that, I, I kept my distance. You know, I didn't. I didn't get up in nobody's face. I didn't know where they were from, what their nationality was, and and I had a whole pocket full of these little bitty uh, uh, SEI uh, hand sanitizers. You know, you carry in your pocket at convention because all you do is shake hands. I kept pickling my hands with them things. Got home and man, went to the Eagles concert. God, dog, man, I, I was so glad we drove to Dallas and went and watched them play sold out right there in Maverick Stadium and kidding with folks. Oh, don't you be coughing mm-hmm. on me now, you know? Kidding with mm-hmm. folks. Didn't think, didn't think nothing about it. And then the following week, I mean, look, I was, for March, March is just like a lead time for us, okay? Convention, we're on the backside of convention. Dates are booked. And we still we still pick up some phone calls and, and, and feel a lot of stuff, but we ain't got clients traveling mostly in March, so it's just kind of quiet. Uh-uh. But it, I was still selling hunts that first week I got back. I mean, bam, 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 every day. Next week, started trickling off. And then, and then I, you know, I, it finally sunk in uh, with the media, with the hype, with the news reports, with the not knowing. Hey, this, this may be different than bird flu and SARS and MERS and pig flu and everything else. This may be something to this. And this could affect me. And, uh, you know, week before last was, 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 it felt like this big dark cloud. I mean, God dang, the stock market plummeted. And, uh, the phones grew silent. The emails grew silent. The, the news is bombarding you. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's different times. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm not fearful. I don't believe the sky is going to fall. But I tell you this right now, I've got, I've got clients that were supposed to go to Argentina this year that are sitting in China. They're, they're in the manufacturing industry. They're sitting in China. They ain't going nowhere. I've got I've got a client sitting in Baku. He's a helicopter instructor. He ain't going nowhere. Can't get out. I know a lady stuck in the Central African Republic. She can't go nowhere. She's stuck. And I'm glad to be right here in Brandon, Mississippi. Uh, I'm I'm real glad to be in America. Period. But man, what 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 really is so scary is I talk to people from Australia, New Zealand, Peru. Azerbaijan, 
Netherlands, Sweden, which is an exception, Argentina, and man, everybody is, is their feet are nailed to the floor. The boundaries are sealed tighter than a frog's hiney, and, and planes ain't flying, and, and and the whole world is just on lockdown. Even in here in the U.S., you know, just like we were talking before the show, Nebraska just sent out an email saying, uh, "No non-residents come come to Nebraska unless you already bought a ticket, uh, bought a license." You know, but no, no turkey hunting. Turkey hunting's closed otherwise to non-residents this year, and we're starting to see that kind of stuff. And it's just a little dawning. You know, you wonder what's what. <clears throat> we sent out an email a week before last. You know, just to get ahead of it because it, it was crazy. It's like it's like in one week I got I don't know nine or ten phone calls that book trips, and I got four or five phone calls like, "Hey, uh, is this COVID stuff going to affect us? Our travel, our plans?" And if we started doing a little research, here, here's what we knew. We sent out an email blast to everybody in our email list. We sent out an email blast to kind of head this thing off. And we said, here's what we know. Boundaries are sealed. Quarantined. You know, uh, international quarantines. Planes aren't flying. Uh, American Airlines, then Delta, then somebody else canceled 75 90%, now I think 100% of their international flights. It, but now we got six to eight weeks. A lot can happen in six to eight weeks. But if this if this affects you, don't worry. Go take care of your family, take care of your business, take care of your health, take care of yourself. Don't worry about this hunt. That hunt will be there. We we just we 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 had seen, we spent that week uh, speaking to all our outfitters, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Peru, Argentina, and, and just built a contingency plan. And we just we realized that you know this is no fault of anybody, nobody. Is just backing out and changing their minds, like canceling dinner. This is this is a big deal, and and what we're going to do is is just we'll reschedule them for later in the summer, or uh or, or later a later year. We'll just we'll carry that we'll credit it and just carry it through. So just relax. That hunt's going to be there. And you know what? After all this crap we've been through just in the last couple of weeks, we want to see you in a duck blind and have a good time. We want to be right there with you and having a good time. So just relax. But that that's kind of where we are right now, Rocky, is just in a holding pattern like the rest of the world. But, but man, it's global. It's everybody. Yeah, because your, your season. It's everybody. Your season never ends, you know. I mean, you got, it never ends, you dude. got people going somewhere all the time. And, and, and not really knowing. Lucky. That's right. But not knowing what's what, we, we've actually built contingency. We've actually had talks with Mexico, with Alaska. You know, with with our with our our fall and spring, we've actually just just to get ahead of it, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. I, I personally think this thing is going to. Uh, I think we're going to be in a different place in in June, July than we are now. Uh, but but I heck, I, 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 everything I know fit in a slam full brand new snuff can about about this stuff. But I'm just guessing. I'm thinking. You know, looking at the curves on other countries that have been through this stuff, that will probably be. Probably be probably past us by June, July, and, and the world hopefully will regain some normalcy. And uh, but I don't, but we're thinking ahead. I don't I'll take know you what back you to, can believe. Go ahead, Ira. I don't know what you can believe coming out of out of China, um, but but I do know from from talking to, to my people that uh, that we deal with on the production side from Omar's. I mean, our factory there, they're up and running full capacity and. Uh, you know they're expecting stuff to be pretty much on time. I mean, there was a delay that was uh, predicted 
and announced right when they had their big deal going on, you know, what whenever it was, uh, end of February or whatever, middle of February. But now they say they've been up and running at full capacity for a while now and that things are not going to be delayed. So that I've, I've been hearing bits and pieces from that, but I, I don't, you know, I, I've, I've, I've talked to some other folks in the outdoor industry that seem to be on, on, uh, on time to go. <clears throat> and, and then I've heard, I've talked to other industries and, and what I'm hearing and, and you certainly know a lot more about it than me, but what I've, what I've heard is that a lot of, you know, it's, it's a, one thing I learned in this whole last two or three weeks uh, is a lot more about globalism and the global economy than I probably did it right there. I mean, this whole supply chain thing, you know, how it works back and forth. You know what I'm saying? And and, and it's like uh, there are a lot of companies that get their product out of China that predicate their orders based on their standing orders on the U.S. side. Well, with all the economic doom and gloom going on, a lot of them cancels have since been ordered. Uh, it's just been canceled. There, therefore, there's a lot of folks I hear standing around in, in, in manufacturing plants in China with their hands in the pocket because they ain't got nothing to turn out right now. That, that I mean, so I don't know. I, I, I know this in my industry. I, I predict, and, and like I say, I don't know nothing about nothing, but, I, but I, I, I suspect that in three, four, five, six months, a year from now, there's going to be a lot of people in the hunting industry, especially in the guide services. That, that probably ain't gonna be among us anymore. I, I think a lot of your uh, a lot of your Johnny come lately fly by nighters are gonna fade. And uh, you know, I I tell y'all I tell you like in my world of what we do, I have I have been getting a few text and telephone calls and inboxes, you know, communications asking what our policy is with regard to impending cancellations. If they're not clients and most of these in queries or not i'll ask them back well here's our policy but what are you hearing and just like i know from having worked in latin america for a long time buddy let me tell you what there's a lot of folks around the world right now uh, a lot of folks that book trips say to mexico argentina that are just s-o-l because they've already been notified oh no senor uh, no no we had no money uh, you'll no come you no get hunt that's exactly what they were told. Or they're gonna to have to pony up half again as much money or something like that, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, uh, boy, I read a paper the other day, uh, Saskatchewan just in their spring snow geese and bear hunts and then and then trying to throw some projection into what how it could affect the fall bookings. You know, the number of hunters coming in the fall that, that aren't booking right now to come in the fall. Because uh, job changes, career changes, income stream changes, uncertainties, it, it's probably going to cost that one province alone uh, nearly $130 million. And that's just a projection of how it could affect the hunting industry. Well, man, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're that outfitter that has a lot of overhead uh, debt and you ain't got an income stream, guess what? Probably ain't going to be there the following year. So it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, people say, well, this ain't really affecting me. I'm 30 years old and uh, I'm, I'm in a low risk class and this, that, and another. Man, it's affecting folks. I, I know folks that it's affecting right now badly. Us, I'm slow. We're going to be around at the end of it, I guarantee you. To get, get ducks.com, we, God, dog, man, we saw 2008 collapse 
as an opportunity. That's when we ponied up, pushed in our chips, and bet the house. You know, same thing with Habitat Flat. Same time. Same thing. That's right. Same thing. Well, you know, for us, heck, man. You know, instead of being home two months, I'm gonna be home four or five. I have nothing to do. But but work on the web page and catch up and get things done. I've been putting off because they weren't important and record podcast and 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 keep on producing these short films that we've already got in the in the in the, in the can. You know, yeah, I'm gonna keep up. I'm gonna take care of my clients. So I've got so I've got a client base to build from the ashes. If that's what it takes, we're gonna keep on. But I think I think that uh. I think that when the smoke clears, when we look at this thing in the rearview mirror, and I'm speaking just in my industry, but also some other industries, I, I think that we're going to see the world in a whole different place than when we went into it. I, I did. I really believe that. You know, it, it's a, it's a. You got to save for a rainy day, and a lot of folks have not. You know, in, in this industry, and, and man, I even heard how it's affecting hospitals. Just okay, we got to make room in the ER for COVID patients that may come in and overwhelm us so cancel all your elective procedures well what's the staff doing sitting around say uh pick a hospital in mississippi that ain't overwhelmed just yet but they've canceled all their elective procedures what are those what are they doing they're laying them off they're sending them home that's crazy well it's it's you know it's crazy another thing that scares me and and rocky you can tell me i mean i don't know what's going to happen here but like my my brother and I, we're still, you know, our office is still up and running, but some of our employees have had things happen in their lives, like, you know, four kids and the daycare shuts down and, and they have to stay at home because there's no one to take care of the kids. That's just one example. But And so let's say this bailout says, okay, you need to pay this person and you need to pay this person and, and these people are eligible and the clinic's still up and running and there's still a demand. Uh, on the consumer side, I'm I'm a little worried that some of my employees who are great people and not lazy people, but still people are people, and they're saying, well, hey, so-and-so's at home and getting paid, and so-and-so's at home getting paid, and so-and-so's at home getting paid. Why am I going to work and getting paid when I can be at home too? And I've still got a business, and we've still got the consumer demand, I'm a little worried about losing employees from the bailout. Yeah. Have you thought about that? <clears throat> well, we lost... Me? We lost, no. No. We, we lost one of ours. Yeah, Rocky. We lost one of ours because of child care. She, mm-hmm. she, she left because she did, no longer had child care. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, that makes sense and all that. I just hope that the people that can work and and could work choose to come to work versus choosing not to come to work. You know what I mean? I'll take you back to February 22nd. February the 22nd may not mean a lot, but I, I remember at that point, coronavirus was a small blip on the news cycle. Maybe one story every hour cycle, you know, per show they were spending on coronavirus. And at, at that point on February 22nd, the biggest story that was out there, there was an American cruise line that had to dock in Japan. Do you remember the story? 
Yep. It, it had a lot of uh, it's a lot of senior retired seniors on this cruise, and I just remember they they were talking about it because there was Americans involved at that point. It was somebody on the ship that had Corona and it started spreading through the ship. They docked right off of a um, a city in Japan. And so get to my story. I'm bringing my father-in-law home. Um, from we had been at a 4-H show, and anyway, I was bringing him home because he was he was sick. He was coughing, pneumonia-like uh, symptoms at this point, but he was still he wasn't feeling just real bad. So we he, he wanted to stop and eat some catfish. I said, sure. I'm kind of hungry with me and him and Wilson. We stopped. But it, like I said, it was a big story because Americans were involved. And this whole time that we were in this catfish house, my father-in-law was coughing, coughing and hacking and coughing and hacking. Table about 20 feet away. It was us and another table in this room. And these people kept staring at him. Every time my father-in-law coughed, they would just look at him. <laughs> finally, 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 he got enough. He said, listen, I'm just going out to the truck. I'm going to go, y'all finish eating. Just, you know, I'm going to lay down out in the truck. And y'all, whenever you get done eating, look, we'll, we'll leave. So it just irritated, it irritated the piss out of me. These people just staring at my father-in-law every time he'd cough. So he left and we got done eating. And as Wilson and I were walking out, I stopped by their table and I said, well, I said, I apologize to my father-in-law. I just picked him up from the Memphis airport, which we were just south of Memphis. I said, I just picked him up from the Memphis airport. He just flew back from Japan. He'd been on a cruise over there. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and that was February 22nd. Imagine oh, saying, hey, imagine saying that shit today. Oh, man. Mm -mm. That's what and I'm the, saying. I mean, you know, I'm posting pictures of my kids on the beach in Mexico, not really realizing that people are, like, locked down in the U.S. And since the three days that we've been there. And I got people going, you're a, you know, you are a thoughtless individual for daring to post something like that. I'm like, man, what in the world's going on? It changed fast. Well, I, I did get a meme the other day. It makes you feel any better. Uh, I, I did get a meme the other day from Mexico about uh, in the absence of hand sanitizer, tequila is a great hand sanitizer. And, and, and you know, it's a good medicine to drink uh, if you're feeling bad. So that ought to make you feel better. I should have stuck my hands in my mouth then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to ask y'all something real quick. All right, so right now, according to the coronavirus counter, we're sitting at 185,000 cases. We've had 3,780 deaths from the coronavirus right now. Let me ask you a question, just opinion. Over or under, do you think that we, by the, by the time this thing's over, say May the 1st, uh, not not over, because there'll still be cases here and there. I, I'm thinking May, May the 15th, somewhere in there. It, do, you, do you think that we will break 10 million cases by then? Uh, do you think it'll be worldwide? over or under? No, just in the U.S. 
We're at 185,000 right now. Do you think by May, say May the 1st, as this thing dies off May the 15th, that we will be over or under that number? So that's that's uh, four to six weeks from now. I'm going to say Let's just over. say six weeks. I'll say now. Now I, you know, it's hard to say because how do you know, how many tests are there even? That's that's what I'm sitting here thinking. That's going to be the limiting factor: is how many people can be tested or will be tested or or will have gotten yeah. it and not 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 uh not been tested because it didn't affect them. You know, I don't know. You but know, if they get that no at-home test kit that's a, a fast test kit, I'd say a lot of it boils down to testing <clears> because, you know, let's say that uh, your allergies flare up next week, which they do every year, and you got a cough and feel crappy and whatever. Uh, is it corona or is it your allergies or is it the cold? And, you know, if there's an at-home test that, that you can get for free or cost five bucks and you want to know and it's quick and dirty and easy, I, I can see the number being over 10 million. If you got to go to the hospital and get tested, I don't think it will be because most people are probably not going to go get tested. What do you think, Ramsey? <clears throat> I have no be idea. No, I have no idea, Rocky. I mean, that, and that's what that's what singularly bothers me the most about this situation is not knowing. It is, and, and I'm I'm not alone. Nobody listening knows. And 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 unfortunately, I don't know that most folks that are in the know um, at, at the high governmental level, the health officials, I don't know that they know. And I think I think you know, I hope that we're all sitting back here going, "Holy cow!" You know, we sure overreacted on that. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, but I'm I, not I, I don't it. know. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that because of testing. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with him and say we're gonna be. I, I think we're gonna be under. That's what I think. That's what I think. So let me, be let me under. let me put one quick little test on or twist on it right now. So Rocky, what did you say the number was? Uh, hundred eighty thousand cases. There's a hundred eighty-five thousand right cases. Okay, so let me ask you this: If there's a hundred eighty-five thousand cases, how many people do you think have it or have had it? that did not get tested. I would say that that number is at least 10 times the amount of documented cases. At least 10 times. So I think I'm there saying, are a lot of people that had it in February and early March that did not. And and look, when when you start talking about asymptomatic, you know, the, the people that just had a very, very mild form, even thought it was just a, a spring allergy. For some people, um, you know, I think there's a ton. Yes, if you counted all of those numbers, yes, I think you're over. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll make it on confirmed cases. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. No, we won't make it on confirmed. That number will be lower. But I. But I. You know, the 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 real scary number. The number I'm watching for is bricks and falsy projected. On camera the other day, that around April fifteenth, uh, it could be as many as three, two to twenty five hundred to three thousand deaths uh, a day. On eight, on April fifteenth, twenty five hundred Americans are going to die because of coronavirus. Now mm. that's nine eleven. 
and 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 if they hit, if they say, if they're saying it could be as high as one hundred or two hundred thousand Americans die at at the at the top of the curve on this thing. Just think about three thousand people or two two or three thousand people dying for a couple of weeks straight every day because of this thing, but we don't know, and that's the crazy thing. And you know, and another thought, you know, we're we're watching Italy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They got twenty five hundred people a, a square mile or whatever. You know, they got an older generation. They got this. They got that. I don't know, man. They, you know, I've got an outfitter I stay in touch with daily down in Argentina. Just I stay in touch with him all the time anyway. And his dad is a physician retired in Spain. And uh, you know, boy, I'm getting I'm getting real time feedback from Spain. And uh, you know, it it they're they're seeing some pretty pretty scary numbers over there. Their 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 health system, which is not the American health system. Uh, it, it, it is socialist, universal healthcare type situation, but nonetheless, they're being overwhelmed. And man, if 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 Fossey and Bricks are right, if on April fifteenth, two thousand to three thousand Americans die because of COVID, and the mortality could be as high as one hundred to two hundred thousand from where we are right now, you're looking at a long stretch of, of body counts like that. That's going to be. Uh, I don't know what to think about all that. That's gonna be that's gonna be scary if it comes to pass. If it doesn't, hallelujah. But if it does, holy cow! You know, that's hard to get your mind wrapped that, around. Don't they say that two hundred seventy-five thousand died from the flu? Uh, I've heard numbers around uh, seventy thousand died from the flu in two thousand eighteen. Lee Chose and I were talking yesterday uh, for a recording coming up this week, and he knew the number. I couldn't have told you this, but you know, in, in that big ass U.S. conflict called Vietnam, fifty-eight thousand died. For comparison, wow. wow. Now we're now now Bricks and and uh, Falsey are, are saying between a hundred and two hundred thousand potentially, and they said this just yesterday. Or two. I mean, they're not. This ain't. This ain't pie in the sky out there. You know, when the sky was falling a couple of weeks ago, they're 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 trying to get it. You know, hemmed up, looking at projections. If everybody doesn't settle down, and you know, we here. I'm, I'm gonna tell. I said this before the show, and I'm gonna tell you right now. I have always been proud to be an American as compared to the rest of the world because of the freedom, the sheer d freaking rock and roll freedom that we enjoy in this country. The prospect. Prosperity, the the science, the the fact that that Ford Motor Companies, and now GM with a little bit of uh, encouragement from the president, and 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 all these companies, these major world titans, blue chip companies, will step up to the bat and and crank out manufacturing to get some of these medical products out there. It it, it just you know the 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 commerce and the money that goes into research and production and and all this stuff, we we feel great. But at the same time, you know, uh, the, one of the best ways to this whole social distancing thing and breaking the chain and, you know, to flatten the curve and all that stuff, you know, boy, that's kind of hard to impose on a truly, thankfully, free country like America. I mean, the American cowboy, 
man, he lives in every one of us. We're free. You know, you go when, when China goes and says, get into your apartments, they, they scurry like freaking mice to get in their little cubby holes. Then they have since, since the first emperor. And they can, they can control this thing. South Korea, they can control it because those people respond. They don't enjoy the freedom that we do. You know, if I want to go to the grocery store, I'm going to the grocery store. If I want to go ride my truck or go to the beach or go do this or go turkey hunt or go duck hunt or what, I'm American. But, you know, and what what is just so freaking frustrating to, to me right now is, is the fact I don't know. Y'all are business owners. You know what I mean? We work our tails off to control the controllables. We can't control the uncontrollables, but we control the controllables. And right now, nobody freaking knows really what this thing is going, what's going on with this thing. But I do know it's affecting everybody in the world right now, somehow. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what's so frustrating to me about it. I mean, you know, if, if let's just say that, that, that uh, their predictions of 100 to 200,000 mortality is right. Uh, let's say it's wrong. Let's say it's half wrong. Okay, 50 to 100,000. That, that is still like a major uh, war conflict and mortality from something that none of us had really ever heard of until, until about 20 or 30 days ago. That's crazy. Yeah, crazy. You know, there's a couple of things that, that, that bother me about this. The reason that I asked you about the over-under on how many confirmed cases you think it'd be is you think back to 2009 when the swine flu was, was running wild there, there were 70 million cases in the U.S. Oof. And it, it killed from baby all the way to 100. It didn't matter who you were or what you were. It killed a lot of people. And, you, you know, thinking back, I remember it being on the news, but I don't remember the, the, the fear that the media was trying to instill in the people. What, that, so that's I because asked, it, I, it wasn't it wasn't politicized like it is now. That's what that's exactly that, that's, that's, that's my question to both of y'all. That's my question to both of you. The two of the biggest things that bothered me about the media, dude, they are trying to scare the hell out of people. And some people you gotta scare the hell out of. Don't get me wrong. But then on the other side of it, what really ticks me off is these 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 gotcha media spotlighters that, that ask the president questions to try to, you know, to, to get him. Now, listen, I'm, I like Donald Trump. I think he's, he's, a, he's been a overall, he's been a, he's been a decent president. He's been great for the economy. I think he could stay off Twitter less, but man, the, the hate that the media has for that man and, and what they're trying to do politicizing the moment, I think the moment is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But the way that they're handling it, some of them, jeez, man, their hate for the man overrides any preservation of country. It's, it's, it's disrespect. It's disrespect. And, and, you know, I watched some girl the other day. I mean, look, it's not like. He's on. He's on. He's on the. He's in front of the camera. He and his staff are on the camera every day. Uh, every day, right when we started this podcast, they came on to Fox News, and uh, and and they're on. 
and and they, but they've got the uh, media pool at about half mass. You know what I'm saying? They they just letting just very few people come in there. But what what strikes me is you're one of the few that caught the break that got to sit in front of the president and some of the smartest people, his staff, in the world talking about this issue, and you're going to waste your question on saying who in your staff called it the Kung Flu? Really? That, that's just sheer disrespect. And, and like I've said before, you know, we teach our children to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, because if they don't respect others, they don't respect themselves. I, I see a person like that wasting a call and trying to politicize this and, and make a fool of themselves on national television, and NBC's the worst. I don't think they have any respect for him because they don't have any respect for themselves. And truth of the matter is, they don't respect their listeners and the people that are that are gobbling up their so-called news because they're feeding us a bunch of junk instead of what we need to know. I don't I don't care about your politics. You know, if you're if you're a, if you're a performing arts uh, if you're an actor, I don't care what your politics are. Get on screen and pretend to be somebody and entertain me for a few minutes. I, I don't care about nothing else. Likewise, in a situation like this, all I want are the facts, Jack. I don't care about your politics. I don't care what you think about my president. I just want the facts. But otherwise, it ain't news, it's entertainment. And that's what too much of this news cycle has become, is entertainment, not news. That's why we didn't hear about swine flu under Obama. It's because, because, oh, let's 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 not politicize this when the great one is in office. You know, I don't know. I think a lot of it boils down to control and money. And that's why they hate Trump is because he doesn't need anybody's money and you're not going to control the guy. And so the all the other politicians, not just on the Democratic side, but you can pick them out from a mile away. Uh, the ones that need the control and the ones that are have the dirty money on their hands, you can see him from a mile away, and they're scared to death of Trump because he just has no need for – he doesn't need to play that game. He's not going to play by their rules, and they, they, it scares him to death. I, I agree entirely. That, that, that's just it's, – it's, it's, a, it's a sham. But, you know, the, the scary thing is, I, I, you know, I was listening to uh Rogan podcast. He had epidemiologists on there talking about this thing way it's back. A great, very, very great podcast. Everybody great needs podcast. to listen to it. You know, and he started talking about uh the, the CWD and just a lot of these other things going around and made a lot of sense. But one thing he was said that I I I do remember from that podcast, one of the details he he likened this COVID-19 to was Christopher Columbus visit initial visit to the new world that that mm-hmm. by introducing the smallpox to native communities they had absolutely no immunity or built-in exposure to that and that was what the governments the world governments reacted to when this novel covid-19 thing blew up was it could affect humanity like the smallpox did well here, here. What I've learned, if I hadn't learned nothing in the past month, is you know you had that big Spanish flu outbreak about a hundred years ago, and it wiped out from, uh, millions upon millions upon millions of people on planet Earth. This could have been the big one. It's not, but it could have been. 
you know, and, and what I've learned is there wasn't a world government hardly on earth that was prepared for it, the big one. You know, for all our technology and everything else, I mean, you know, our, our, our government agencies are so big, they can't respond quickly because of red tape, because of bureaucracy, because of this, because of that, because of personality conflict. They just can't respond quickly. And, and it's kind of scary. So, you know, the unknown, you know, when, when if the big one hits, now if the big one were to hit next year or the following year after this COVID-19 deal, who the hell's gonna listen to NBC? I'm not. Yeah, and when our politicians can't can't get something passed, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm still not sure uh, exactly what this, you know, COVID bailout is gonna amount to. But if they if they it takes them three or four days to get on the same page over things that are totally unrelated to it, man, that's just a travesty, isn't it? That's the way America, that's just, that's just the pork up there. You know what I'm saying? Everybody ran to grab, you know, their pet project, get a little funding for it. But, uh, you know, one thing, what I don't know anything about economics either, you know, except just <laughs> my own personal uh, world. But, man, when you start talking, you know, that this, this two-something trillion dollar stimulus, but on top of that with another four trillion, um, at the Fed and Treasury and whatnot, you know, to float things and make things and manage things. I mean, you know, uh, $6 trillion. I mean, in, 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 in yesterday dollars, you, you think about the amount of government spending like that that happened during World War II. Uh, that amount of government spending created after World War II, and as it started to cycle back in and trickle down into the American economy, it gave birth to a burgeoning and thriving middle class that did not exist prior to that. Right here in America, I mean, you know, so I'm, I'm optimistic, uh, just what little I know looking back through the filter of time that sooner or later, uh, I know there's going to be a tomorrow. I know the sun is going to rise. I know we're going to be normal again. And man, when, when, when all them little, uh, when all them trillions of dollars trickle back in to the economy, we're, we're going to have a, a I do, I do believe a lot of what Trump says that uh, I think the economy is going to explode. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to ramp up like we've never seen before. That, that's what I personally mm. think. I got a quick question for you guys. Have you guys picked up any habits that you didn't have before since you've been on uh, on lockdown? Other than watching bizarre Tiger King movies, not much. <laughs> Well, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I've become a damn day trader. Oh boy, I'm mm-hmm. addicted to uh, I'm addicted to all that stuff, and never have been before. Mm-mm. Well, ask me in a couple of weeks how it's working out. I'll tell you this, man. I wish I had a lot of money to buy a lot of oil right now because. Whew, imagine what oil is going to be a year from now. It's going to be triple. Uh, you, you know the average price is $60 a barrel, and we sit at $20 right now. The money that's going to be made there from some people that are invested in the futures market. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you but, hey, I got to ask you all this. Did, did, you, did you get into the TP 
hoarding? Did you get into the toilet paper <laughs> hoarding when it first started? Because everything that I can find out about the whole toilet paper deal, of course, people knew they were going to be locked at home. But I kind of go back to that guy that did the uh, the calculations. I mean, you'd have to take, what what do you say, 68 shits a day to be able to go through <laughs> the toilet paper, the, the average number of toilet, the average amount of toilet paper that was ordered by each person. So did you, did you get into the toilet paper hoarding? No, man, that was, no, that was going on when we were in Mexico. We we had bought some toilet paper and had more at the farm, and we had no PP issues or hoarding issues at the McCauley <laughs> house. I was a toilet paper hoarder before it was cool because uh, I, prob- I, I probably got, at, at 68 craps a day, I probably got a lifetime supply sitting at camp because, you know, I'd go to Sam's and say, I wonder if I got any toilet paper over there. And I'd buy a big old thing of it, 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 it you know, the big old, uh, and, and now I, I ain't hardly got room in the bathroom to store it all. And, uh, but we got plenty here, I can tell you, too. Uh, I ain't going to say we hoarded, but, yeah, might as well pick up a little bit of extra. You don't know where this thing's going to go, you know. You know, that's Worst that's case, we'll go one. back to leaves and, and T-shirts. Yeah. That, that's kind of the last point that before we go. You know, with this whole social distancing, you know, you, if you were to go back in the time machine to February the 22nd and use the term social distancing, you'd be like, what? But anyway, now when you you know all of these places are dead, yet you walk into a Walmart or the grocery store, and it's like a packed concert in these places. There's you know I know people are staying six feet away from each other, but geez, mm-hmm. they are packed. Now we out. don't we don't we don't we don't I don't I haven't been to the grocery store. I went to the grocery store uh, right before this thing you know for before it felt serious. We heard about the run on things, and Anita and I had gone out just to stretch our legs a little bit. And I said, hey, let, let's run through, uh, let's go in there and just check it out. And we walked into the, the little local grocery store, and, man, it, it, it looked like it had been ransacked. You know, and uh, I said, hey, let's, let's buy a few groceries. So we bought a few groceries, and, uh, and then we drove a little bit. I said, let's go check out Walmart. Holy cow, man! There, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't anything but that fake meat on the on the meat counter. I mean, it was all gone. And it, 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 that, that was strange. It was, it was very, very strange. And it put, it, it made me feel different about this coronavirus, this outbreak. You know, you go in for a hurricane hit, you don't see no milk, no bread. But seriously, to go to go down through a Walmart superstore and see meat counters bare and no dairy products and stuff like that. For, for America, it just, it felt different to see uh, bare cupboards and bare shelves in a, in a major grocery store. And uh, I, can tell you, I haven't been to a grocery store since. Tonight we're having uh, wild turkey, and tomorrow night we're having fried crappie, and the next night we're having duck, and then we'll probably be back to having wild turkey again at the Macaulay household. So we've been eating at our freezer a lot. Well, I was, just, I was just fixing to ask because because of our Macaulay household by wild turkey, it, it, do you mean uh, the meat or the beverage? <laughs> or, well, or both? <laughs> hopefully a little bit of both. Hopefully yeah. a little bit of both. Oh. Well, I, I'm glad that we, we got together because 
none of us are doc. Well, Ira is a doctor, but you know, I thought it'd be pretty neat to put an idiot, a world traveler, and a doctor, all uh, veterinarian, all on the same podcast together to just talk about some of the things that were going on. I thought it'd be fun to to hear two unique perspectives about what's going on. So thank y'all for being here today. Well, it's great, great to talk to you guys. I feel like, uh, you know, we we live in Missouri, so I live, uh, you know, there's a nice lake right there where we live. And in the wintertime, the only place that I socially interact with all my neighbors is at the office. But then in the summertime, you see everybody every day or every other day because we're all down at the lake hanging out and drinking beer and fishing and whatever. And uh, so I kind of feel like summertime's here again. It's good to talk to you guys. And uh, when I get off here, I'm going to go scout tomorrow's snow geese today. There's still, a, and, and you were telling us before we started, there's still a few straggler juvies hanging around that you're chasing. Yeah, there's there's maybe 1,500-ish, right around 1,500 here. But, there, you know, 1,500, let's say that, I don't know, 500 of them fly. Uh, you know, you're going to get two, three, four, maybe five good goes at them. So it's mm. worth doing. It's a lot of fun. Well, And I'm talking about, you know, early when the horde's here, it's hard to have a bunch that sticks together right to the boot bags, you know, but these will, these are the ones that will, well, you've seen like some of those shot cam clips from last week. I mean, there's the dirty ones. got to be a lot of fun we Ira, don't don't think that we are not getting back to your story but kind of the reason that we haven't really jumped back into it there there's been a couple of things before we go with the podcast the the podcast just a quick update number one the only complaint that we ever had about really the end of the line we have a very loyal listening base a large listening base that listen to the podcast every day. The only complaint we've ever had is uh, a, a problem with quality. Let me just uh, get through the couple of house cleaning items real quick. But we're going to a digital format where we're recording it uh, on a voice over IP through the Internet, uh, make it a lot clearer instead of the way we've been recording it in the past. But also, we're going to a live show format that allows you, as the listeners, to participate. So we'll have a segment at, at the end of each podcast as some of the issues that I've been working through that you'll be able to participate in the podcast. You'll be able to call in, ask your questions about that particular, what we were talking about. You'll be able to listen to it live and participate as the show goes along. Um, we'll have a call-in number that you'll be able to call in and ask questions to, you know, some of the stories that we may be doing, such as Ira. You know, we'll finish up Ira's here in the next few weeks. But I think it's going to be an interesting format. I think it's going to be we've, – we've grown to the place now that we have – like I said, we have a large following that, you know, being letting them be a part of the show, I think it'll bring a kind of a interesting take to it. So that's all coming up sometime in the next couple of weeks. So Ira, don't like I said, we'll, we're going to finish this up. Me, you, and Ramsey, 
And I think it'll be I think it'll be really cool for for some of the loyal people that have used your products, been following you for years, bringing them in and letting them ask you questions. Yeah. Ma'am. So, and we've got a couple of more new stories that are that are coming up, and of course Mondays with Rob. It'll be a lot of fun, lots, lots of fun. I've just been trying to work out the technicalities, and I want to thank all the people that that have come aboard that are going to be sponsors of the podcast. That are products that that I believe in, that I use, that that I think that they will see a significant increase. Uh, in their business from being a part of this podcast. So thank all of you. Ira, Ramsey, thank you again. Interesting podcast here. And like I said, a couple of perspectives um, from your positions. Had a lot of fun jumping back into it. Like I said, just like riding a bike. Just like riding a bike. But thank y'all again. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast. Power by DuckTop.com.